Welcome to the Live Life Well podcast for busy women. As a busy mum myself, I totally get it. It can be really challenging to take time out to look after ourselves. And there's so much noise out there in the well-being space. So take this time out for you to get some really simple takeaways from me and my amazing guests on how to really take care of yourself, mind, body and soul. Because when women thrive, the world is a better place. Let's jump in. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of the Live Life Well podcast for busy women. And I know there's a lot going on at the moment in the world around us and I really hope this is a bit of an escape for you if you're listening just to think about how you can take care of yourselves in these times because I really believe that the healthier that we are as women, the better place the world is. The healthier that we are and the more we take care of ourselves, the more we can thrive and take care of others. So be encouraged, know that you are worth taking care of and I'm really glad you're here. So I am delighted to be introducing this week's guest. Today we have Lucy Asham joining us and Lucy, you are a body and soul energy expert. So we can't wait to get into that. We love all things mind, body and soul health in the Live Life Well community. And you help people to have better movement, better posture and better energies, which all sounds wonderful. So please say hi, Lucy. Tell us who you are, what you do and how do you sort of bring those things together? Hello, Joe, and hello, everybody. It's really great to be here. Um, so, yes, I um, share a few different ways of sort of restoring our unity. You know, and it's interesting how we have these different words that say mind and body and soul as if they're somehow separate things. But to me, they're very much all one and the same, mm. indivisible, indivisible, united um you know, our whole self. And so, you know, that's what I'm working towards in different ways. You know, people come to me sometimes because they've got a sore neck or because there's something that just seems to be blocking them in their life. And it may be about family dynamics or some goal or dream that, you know, isn't happening and they want to try Mm. and kind of get to the root cause of it. But more and more people are coming because actually their brain hurts, you know, and they're giving themselves quite a hard time. And, um, yeah, they're not quite sure where to turn or or what to do about it. So I'm offering a kind ear and a trained ear. Um, so I'm not a therapist as such, but what I do is definitely therapeutic. And, um, you know, my desire is to really help people know that they actually do make sense, that they're not broken and that there is hope. Yeah. Yes, I love that word hope. It feels like a lot of things going on at the moment feel a bit hopeless but there is hope and I love that you can give people that gift to have hope when they're feeling stuck or overwhelmed mm. and that you bring that holistic approach which is so important I totally agree with what you say um, about the connection between our mind body soul health you can't separate and each area kind of affects the other doesn't it so you could be healthy in one area but if you're not in another it's going to impact your whole way of being isn't it so it sounds like the work you do is absolutely fascinating and really important too so I am glad you're doing that mm-hmm. um, so I love to ask my friends and my guests what does living life well mean to you I love hearing everyone's different answers so tell us what it means to you Lucy yeah I think it means um, something around you know being present with our reality so something about saying yes and agreeing to life as it is mm. um, having made peace with the past as best we can and also, you know, looking forward to the future in some ways. 
So, you know, unfortunately, I don't have a magic wand. I'd love to be able to, you know, heal and cure and do those kind of big, big picture things. But sometimes it is more about just saying, yeah, this is the body I've got. This is the shape and size and conditions that I'm, I'm living with. What can I do to be the best within that framework? Um, so some people, you know, even with quite chronic, you know, diseases or illness or injuries, they can still live really well and healthily because they're living in accordance with who they are and doing what they can to, mm. you know, improve their lot or to live in a way that they're not at war um, with themselves. So that inner mm. harmony can be an important aspect of it as well. Mm, and maybe a bit of acceptance in there of your situation, but what can you control and how can mm. you move forward? So I love that you mentioned sort of being present Mm -hmm. peace with your past and sort of having hope for the future and I think those three things are real real keys to our well-being aren't they but not always easily achieved and I think sometimes we do need a bit of help on that journey sometimes just to sit with someone who can hold all of those things and help us move forward so again it's great that you're in that space with people fantastic so yeah I think there are real keys that you've mentioned I love those things that you've highlighted thank you so um I heard you speaking recently at a, a networking presentation, Lucy, and you mentioned this idea of healing our brains. And mm. I just love that. I love the idea of that. Like, how, how do we heal our brains? But I guess, first of all, we have to sort of start with why do we need to heal our brains and how do they get kind of broken? I mean, I don't like to think of us as being broken. I like to think of us as being whole and becoming wholer. But also we have, like you say, pasts and traumas and injuries and things from our upbringing and these things can I guess do some damage so yeah tell tell us why you think there's a need for us to heal our brains where does that that kind of start yeah so I think you know personally it's because actually that's what I've needed you know I found times Mm. when my thoughts have just been going round and round in a loop Mm. and they've been not nice to live with you know they kept me up at, at night imagining that oh, if I could just rewind it and say this thing differently, then my whole life, you know, like sliding doors, I'd have just had a different path in life. Um, I'm finding myself in really desperate situations where, you know, I was a music student and I had terrible stage fright. And, uh, you know, I, I basically was frozen. I couldn't move. My fingers were, you know, not moving on the valves. I used to play the trumpet. I My neck was so stiff I couldn't turn to look at the pianist. And, you know, this stage fright, it wasn't just a an emotion. It was very, very physical and it was debilitating. And it really affected, you know, my performance and my degree at that point. So, you know, I, I come to this work because I found things that have really helped me along the way. Mm-hmm. And, that you know, these are some of the things I really love and have found lasting benefit from. And therefore, I want to share them with with other people. So, I'm really coming, you know, as one of those wounded healers, if you like, who's kind of going, yeah, I really, I really needed this stuff. And this is what has worked for me. Um, And, you know, there's quite a bit of scientific research as well behind, you know, some of the things that I'm offering as well. So for people who who like to know what it works and how it works, you know, there is some of that available as well. Yeah. So do you, do you find that sort of past experiences, traumas, emotions can show up as physical symptoms is that what you find in your work is that what you work with a lot absolutely and so you know when I'm talking about mind body spirit 
I'm not talking about one talking to the other. It really is that our mind is our muscles, you know, our mind mm. and our thoughts is then felt and expressed. It's like one continuum into our muscles. And so if I'm touching somebody in a particular way and then I'm, you know, we're touching ourselves or we're giving a hug to a child or a partner, then that communicates with our brain immediately. It's part of the same continuous nervous system. So that all the things that we've experienced in our lives will have left an impression in our brain. And if we've been well supported and we've been well met by resourced adults and, you know, they've, they've been supported, then actually, you know, all sorts of things can happen, but we're not damaged by them. But when we have difficult situations in our life um, and then there is nobody there to accompany us and to witness mm. us and hold us and to, you know, restore harmony and share those hugs and, you know, restore our nervous system back to some ease, then we're left in a state of um, sort of being scarred by it. And the very neurons in our, in our brain kind of short circuit a little bit. So they haven't put those experiences and memories into rest so instead mm. they're kind of like jagged edges that just kind of we keep on tripping up on and re-stimulating again and again so in a way you know it's not so much what happened to us sometimes the trauma we tend to think of like one of these huge life events like people you know in war-torn countries or natural disasters and of course you know those can be really huge and you know life impacting but if there are people around who come and sort of say, wow, there was this really huge thing. And of course, you'll feel scared. And of course, you were worried. And of course, you, you know, and all those bits of understanding. And they've actually kind of scooped us up mm. either physically or metaphorically, you know, with some care and warmth and curiosity. Then our brain is actually going to recover from that much more readily than somebody who is given a sort of nasty comment or a sort of sharp look by a teacher in a classroom for example, um, yeah, I imagine most of us have had those sort of experiences. You know, somebody's just had a bad day, got out the wrong side of bed and, you know, they're a bit short tempered and they say something and we it can really cut us. It can really stay with us. And those are the kind of things that can actually scar our brain and leave uh, slightly raw edges. Mm. And so the good news is that, you know, the brain is what's known as plastic so it yeah. means that actually it can heal and that can happen at any age. So we're yeah. never too old for things to actually change and heal and repair. So I find that very hopeful knowing that, the, you know, the science is there that say brains can always change. Yes, and that is good news. And I love that we can share good news here. And that again, there is hope. Mm. Um, and it's almost like you're creating creating space safe space for people to sort out their thoughts isn't to process the thoughts that were too painful to deal with by themselves but when we hold each other and give us ourselves that space it allows our brains to then sort memories and put them in their correct place right yeah. and because when we don't that's what causes the disconnection isn't it between our mind and body it's almost too painful to connect the two so then that has consequences doesn't it that comes at a cost it might feel more comfortable but yeah. we won't be free to live life to the full until we've dealt with these things but I think doing it as a group or with another person welcome with you is so beautiful because um it's less scary but also there's this growth that happens in a group isn't there I think I believe for a long time the sort of lie of personal development that you just have to read more and grow more as a person but actually I've realized recently 
had a bit of an epiphany that the real growth happens in community, doesn't it, in groups. Um, and tell us a little bit about the work, the group work that you do, Lucy, because it's really fa- fascinating, your your family constellation work. Is that kind of what the aim of that is to hold that space for people to be able to sort out those memories and emotions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think, you know, you're right in terms of groups. So, you know, back in the day, you know, there would have been a tribe around us. There would have been an extended mm. family who would have lived in and amongst and next door to and shared the fire with. And so there's part of our, you know, evolutionary brain that has actually grown up needing and relying on other people to share things with, not just the work of childcare and, you know, food and shelter and things, but really, you know, what happened and how was it and how we we feel about it and to share our concerns and our hopes and dreams. And I think, you know, a lot of us have lost that, you know, living in little houses on our own or just with a nuclear family. And we don't necessarily have our nearest and dearest next door or down the street. And of course, you know, if they've actually passed on, then that can be very painful as well. You know, that we've not only do we not have that support, but, you know, we've also got that that grief um, to deal with as well. So one of the things that we need is actually, you know, part of the healing process is that we need some emotions need that we are witnessed in it. So shame, for example, we need to sometimes air some of those things and shine a light on things because without that we're kind of keeping things in the shadows we're keeping them to ourselves and it kind of reinforces the fact that maybe there is something wrong with us because we have to keep it to ourselves do you know so in terms of if we can share something if we find somebody who's a good confident or a friend or a therapist or somebody where you, you know you know that they're not going to um blab you know they're not going to go and tell anybody else but you're you know you're safe to share that thing then actually that changes our experience of it as well and our brains um, often suffer when we are left in a state of alarm and alone with it on our own so your experience of you know well how do I sort this out is it about learning more reading more you know doing more on my on my own It, it can be that you know genuinely as human beings we just need other human beings to be around us to see us in our difficulties to acknowledge that so it's not about fixing it and making it all right or trying to look for the positives and things those those can work but the things that they've actually noticed really do work are about um, seeing ourselves as part of a bigger pattern so this is where the family constellations work comes in and so a lot of our sort of um, talking therapies might look at us as an individual and how we're coping mm. with whatever it is we're doing. And we might understand it in the context of our immediate family members. Family Constellations looks as in the widest possible context. So, yes, it's about the family that we know and grew up with. It may be about the ones we didn't know. So maybe a father who didn't live with us or gave his sperm in some way, but actually, you know, we had no contact with them. But equally, there are things that happen in terms of um, illnesses and life events and countries and migration and war um, and government and societal cultural impact and uh, religion. You know, there are different layers and many different elements that will have actually contributed to our experience. So it's not just what happened to Lucy or Joe, it's what conditions were there in the, in the family, what traumas or difficulties someone else is already carrying, what griefs are they carrying that haven't been 
um, healed or resolved in some way. And some of those things, you know, because if you imagine, you know, people who are living in a war-torn country at the moment, unfortunately we're seeing a lot of that at the moment. Um, And, you know, people are in survival mode. Of course Mm. they are. But so many people all in survival mode all at the same time. There isn't anybody really with capacity to sit down and really help people to sift through their emotional shock and trauma and discomfort and anxiety and overwhelm. So it can sometimes be that it's not even the the next generation, but the one after that, that then kind of have survived, they've kind of got through, they've managed to pass life on. And then, you know, it's like, oh, now I'm living a bit more comfortably but the sensations, the emotions carrying in my body, they might not even really belong to me, but I'm the one who in my family system is now ready to do something about it because actually I've got enough safety and another and mm. enough other elements around me that I can do the emotional work. Does that make sense? That makes so much sense. Thinking about maybe our parents' generation and their parents. Um, I guess my grandparents' generation were known as the sort of generation that don't talk about your feelings, just get on with it, brush under the carpet. But when you think what they lived through, going through the Second World War, that's totally understandable. And then our, our parents grew up in that environment. And I do notice with me and my friends and my circles, we are more of a generation which talk about our feelings, who are you know are on a journey to educate ourselves about, about these things. So that makes so much sense. And it's really exciting I think too that we can sort of break that generational pattern but also have compassion for the previous generations of what they lived through and that they were they just had to survive so they had less emotional capacity so that makes so much sense that's really interesting to think about and and then you know in the constellation work you know either from working one-to-one with people I might use figures or um sort of stick drawings on zoom but if I if I can I work with a group of people and you might have people standing in for a parent or a soldier or Mm. you know the second world war for example and you can see you know what that effect of that is on the body so it's not drama it's not acting but you can somehow pick up um, essential information through our body's wisdom I I can't quite explain Mm. it's sort of in the air between us you know this is the information we're we're reading but it would literally just tap into do I feel hot or cold am I looking this way or that way so it's simple enough kind of things that we're reporting. But when you see it in context and you kind of go, wow, that person looks crumpled by their experience of being in the war. Of course, mm. they would have, you know, seen and done so much. And how could they possibly then sit around the dining table when they came back with their wife and children and grandchildren and kind of go, hey, this thing happened to me in the war? Of course not. You know, it would be so desperate and so raw for them Um there would be no way of talking about it in sort of normal, polite society. And, you know, back in the day, there, there wasn't much counselling on offer either. So, you know, people just had yeah. to, what, what they used to say, least said, soonest mended. That yeah. idea that, you know, just don't talk about it and we'll get on with it and it'll all be fine. And so I think, as you say, you know, now, your generation, my generation, mm-hmm. you know, we're more able to look at it because we can. So it's beautiful yeah. that we can then do our work but also we can honour the fate of, you know, those who came before us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think doing that kind of work just allows you to have a lot more compassion, like self-compassion for yourself when you see that bigger picture of 
how you arrive where you are now and all the things that influence that but also compassion for the people that came before us and something I often say to myself when I'm feeling frustrated with myself or other people is is we're all doing our best and they did their best and they did a lot for us and we are doing our best Mm. but sometimes there's even better on offer when we do this work isn't there there's things we can let go of and process and move forward from but I love that you talk to yourself and you're kind of reassuring yourself and you're saying yeah you're doing your best and they were doing their best so there's understanding and compassion for yourself but also for the other people and it's not to diminish or minimize you know the impact of those difficulties Mm. or those lacks or you know those hurts or wounds but you know without adding the blame to it because that comes from more of the sort of Uh, left side of our brain the more um uh what do you call it the practical kind of side of our our brain so what we're doing as well you know is we're looking at some more of the things that are in the right hemisphere of our brain and the relational side of the work as well and that's what I'm really excited about and that you know my new training is in as well amazing and it's making those connections isn't it um and yeah and I just love what you're talking about in terms of you know I think we've all felt at points you mentioned when you struggled when you were studying music and just that overwhelm where we get totally stuck and um just having that compassion for ourselves to remind ourselves that we're not meant to do this alone like we're not meant to be alone with our experiences and our feelings we're meant to be part of a tribe and there are people out there that we can connect with and that will help us then connect back in with ourselves um so I'd love to talk to you about language you mentioned this when I heard you speaking before this idea of sort of using healing language and I'd love to dig into that a bit with you can you tell me tell us more about what that means and how the language we use maybe for ourselves and others can help our brains to heal thank you I'd love to so um you know we all maybe heard when we were at school you know sticks and stones will hurt your bones but words will never harm you And I don't know about you, but I always thought, well, that's rubbish, because I know that when so-and-so said something to me, it really hurt. And so it's an interesting one that, you know, somehow in our culture, there's been this denial, and it probably does come from the war generations who just had to have that stiff upper lip and just get on with it. And that's a fact, you know, it's not a criticism at all. And so in terms of, you know, acknowledging that words can hurt us, the good news is that, you know, words can heal us as well. And one of my teachers who I've been working with for a long time in America, she's called Sarah Payton, and she does do family constellations as well. But she is an extraordinary um, woman with an amazing brain, and she's a neuroscience educator. So Mm -hmm. she actually reads, you know, quite a lot of these, uh, you know, in-depth research papers all about, you know, how it is for the brain to actually heal from trauma, PTSD, all sorts of... um, mental um, conditions as well and so what she has discovered you know for her own healing and working with clients over a number of years of which I'm one um, is that it's there are certain ingredients if you like that actually help us to heal so Mm. she's she's kind of got more of a a list if you like or um, a set of ingredients you know the saying well here, here are the nine things that she's found are actually the most useful and so it's not her personally kind of going, ah, this is, this is what she's read it and she's, you know, <laughs> researched it and she's pieced it all together. And then she's applied it with her clients like in a laboratory. So I've been one of her guinea pigs over the years because I was very fortunate to find her in the early days when she was, you know, supporting um, a few people. And then she's developed 
over time. So it's now called Resonant Healing Language. This is her own um, modality, I suppose, that she has developed and is emerging as we speak. Um, there's a third cohort of uh, students who are going to be trained up in that starting in, in January, and, and I'm going to be on that training course. So super excited about that. Great. Um, but one of the things is she's she's looking at is, you know, the two sort of parts of the brain, the sort of more instrumental mm. side, which is the left, the very practical, the analytical, the kind of get on and do it side. And that's very, very useful until it comes to, you know, some emotional, more, you know, difficult, overwhelmed trauma kind of things. And then it's the relational thing that we need. And specifically, it's about how we resonate with another person. So this is very useful for ourselves um, when we are able to turn towards ourselves with some warmth and curiosity. So we might find ourselves in a difficult situation. We might find ourselves, um, you know, giving ourselves a bit of a hard time because, hey, you know, we forgot to do something or, you know, we didn't turn up at a certain time and let somebody down. And it's what we do with that. So sometimes, you know, we might be going and going, oh, Lucy, what an idiot you are, you stupid woman. How, you know, you had it in your diary. Why didn't you do this? And you should have known. And golly, how many times have you not set an alarm? And, you know, probably familiar with, you know, you and, and the listeners about that kind of self-talk. And, you know, we didn't get born into the world with that. You know, we've learned it. We've picked it up somewhere along the way. We've imitated it. And then, you know, TV programs such as Coronation Street and EastEnders put it on as if it's entertainment, you know, how to argue with each other and give each other a hard time and, you know, talk to each other quite sort of nastily almost. So we know that that doesn't work and those are not harmonious families on the whole that we're seeing depicted on television. And so what um, Sarah Payton has discovered is actually the things that can help us are this is about this resonance. So she plays the cello, so she often uses this example of you have two cellos in the same room, you pluck the strings or, or move the bow over the strings of one instrument and the other one sitting in the corner, those strings will start to vibrate and resonate. And mm. so it's the same with us human beings and our nervous systems, so that if you're sharing something and it's a bit tender and you're feeling a bit sad, there's part of me that will resonate with it, with that if I allow myself to tune into you and allow myself to be moved by what I'm experiencing and what you're sharing. And that's why, you know, when we watch a sad movie, for example, we might find tears in our own eyes because we've resonated with the story, we've empathized with it, we've, you know, kind of, re we can relate to it. So I think I'm not so familiar with kind of normal therapy, talking therapies, but I, I believe that, you know, the therapist would very much keep themselves and their thoughts and feelings to themselves and be there as a mm. kind of blank slate to receive and, you know, to question and probe and, you know, get curious about the, the client in front of them. This resonant healing language is different because you bring yourself in. So not in terms of, oh, yeah, the same thing happened to me, you know, oh, yes, I'm terrible. I'm just like you. You know, it's not colluding or we're not sympathizing, saying, oh, there, there, there. I'm sure it wasn't so bad. You know, that's that's all right. Don't you worry. You know, I'm sure you can sort it out. These things are nice. You know, these things are kind of normal and part of our culture. And, and that's that's good. You know, when people can say these kind of kind words, 
but it's not necessarily what's going to heal the brain and stop it from going around and around in the loop and from having these raw jagged edges yeah mm. that is so so interesting and it's just making me think further about that idea of being in community and like we don't become wounded and hurt in isolation and it's like we have to also heal in community we can't heal in isolation mm. and there's such a beautiful beautiful aspect of that is that we need each other to be healthy like as much as we need to be connected to ourselves in terms of our mind body soul health we also need to be connected to each other um, in safe positive spaces to be the healthiest versions of ourselves so that sounds like really beautiful work absolutely and you know I think sometimes when we haven't felt safe and we haven't felt you know been heard um, or welcomed then, you know, we make little pacts with ourselves and they might be unconscious kind of contracts uh, which say, I'm not going to cry in front of somebody else. I'm I'm never going to say I'm sorry. You know, I'm never going to ask for what I really need and want because I might be disappointed. And then that stifles some of our growth and, you know, who we are becoming. And so, you know, using this kind of language where we can you know, really meet ourselves and acknowledge what is going on, you know. So in this example, I was just giving about, you know, having missed an appointment um, or written something down in the wrong time, you know, it's like, of course, Lucy, you know, busy lives, of course you, you, you missed it, you know, you thought it was one thing, you didn't check, there it is, you know, it's another thing. And so instead of giving myself a hard time and then adding to this distress or this, you know, tightness it's like oh my body I can meet my body and say oh you know is your chest really fluttering and does it feel tight with anxiety and would it be really sweet if somebody understood you know just how much you long for connection and how reliability is important Mm. to you so can you hear I'm using some of the ingredients of this this language but it's a very different way to kind of turn to ourselves and not just say there there you'll be fine (laughs) or you know, it, it's 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 kind of there's a different juiciness to it. That sounds so interesting, and I'm just thinking in terms of our listeners. Like, obviously, we all want to follow this journey you're on and and hear more about this work that you're getting trained up to do. And I'd really encourage you to come and talk to you. Um, but in the meantime, if we are struggling with those kind of ruminating thoughts that you mentioned, that kind of negative self talk, we're stuck in sort of shame cycles. Um, what are some things we can just start to do? I'm, I'm hearing your like some of the things we've talked about are like practicing compassion for ourselves and others, being around others who will hold us and be there and listen, even if they're not trained in the you know the the skills that you're bringing. You just have those friends, don't you, that feel safe and who listen and who don't um, tell you what to do, um, but they'll they'll almost like mirror that that compassion. Exactly. Won't they? They'll, like Bernie Brown, it's like getting into that pit with you and they'll sit with you in it um is there any other little clues little tasters you could give us before you fully launch this work that we can just do in in the meantime when we're feeling overwhelmed and yeah stuck? so I think um you know some people are naturally good listeners and they're naturally warm and they're naturally kind of giving and they give you that space to you know to join in with what's going on and that's fantastic but you know, other people like me need to be trained up on these things because it didn't come naturally. It wasn't sort of part of my upbringing so much. Um, so I think, you know, one thing that we can do for ourselves is to acknowledge what is without, you know, minimizing it or 
diminishing it at all. So, you know, if you're feeling anxious and you're going around and around with certain thoughts, you know, it's almost like looking yourself in the mirror and just kind of going, hey, Lucy, you know, are you feeling really anxious? Mm -hmm. And, you know, are you worried about what's going to happen if things don't change? And just acknowledging, you know, how things are and sometimes just seeing your own expression. Um, you know, it might work on a, on a camera phone these days, um, but, you know, a mirror as well, you know, just kind of going, yeah, you know, and you kind of you, you mirror back the facial expressions that somebody's doing. You're not trying to go, hey, you know, you're feeling really sad, but actually you're grinning away to them. You know, that that's a mismatch. So again, it's kind of making those mm. things more conscious that if somebody's coming to you and they're kind of biting their lip or, you know, biting their nails and they're really worried about something you know it's not about trying to change their behavior or what they're doing but as you know you, you said with Brené Brown it's like joining them but you can do that with your words and you can do that for yourself it's like oh you know have you got so much anxiety in you that you're just trying to nibble away at it so that you know you won't you won't harm yourself or harm somebody else and trying to acknowledge what is and meeting them on that particular step uh, rather than trying to move it on or pull them away from the feelings that they're currently having. I think another a lovely thing so to good. do um, is is actually sometimes have, a, you know, a, a, just a sense of your body. So one of the things when we're disconnected is that we'd, we're all up in our thoughts and in our brain and in the, in the past or worrying about the future or what may or may not or may never happen. So one thing that can really help is actually just to put a hand on your chest, for example, and to connect with the fact that you have a body and that it mm. might be moving a little bit under your hands as you're breathing. It might be a temperature. Your hands might be cooler than your body. Your body might be warmer than your hands. But just sort of noticing some of these very fundamental sensations. And what that starts to do is take you from the left side of the brain, which can be a little bit harsher and colder, and a bit more judgmental, and it takes you more into the relational side, which is the right side of your brain, which is more connected with the body sensations. So in and of itself, it might not feel like much, you know, if you've kind of got this big tornado of thoughts going around and flashing lightning and rah, 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 you know, it might not feel much to just kind of go, oh, here I am, you know, I'm a, I'm a soft mammal and, you know, I'm, I'm just this size and this shape and this is all I can do right now is you know, lie down on the sofa and read a book. But it, it's acknowledging that that is within your capacity at the moment and anything else is beyond your capacity. And that acknowledgement mm. of what is, is super important. That's so good. And I'm, I was just thinking as you were talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how safety is such a fundamental human need. And I think a lot of us just don't feel safe right now, whether it's with the news or with... Yeah, just the high levels of stress, that fight or flight response that we're constantly in because of how modern life mm. is. Um, but if we don't feel safe, we can't then move on to things like you mentioned, like dreaming and hoping and um, that sort of self-actualization mm. sort of thing. So I think like you were saying, to have that check in, to see how you're feeling and give yourself that little bit of comfort and reassurance just so you can start to be in your body and then move on to doing the things that we're called to do right I mean stuck in that feeling of fight or flight and that's so that's so good to think about and so it sounds like some of the keys are just that that feeling of safety noticing that and then the compassion and connection are what we need we need safety compassion and connection to feel safe and then to go beyond that to move into 
up that sort of hierarchy so that's so good to think about and just check in with how we're feeling regularly and check in with others too like practice we can practice this can't we with our friends we can practice being that sharing that language we're showing them that we're listening and that we're with them and they're not alone and then as we share that and others start to heal just makes the world a better place really doesn't it like we're all we all feel a bit better so I think these are great things to practice with ourselves like noticing our thought pattern reassuring ourselves and offering that reassurance and that space to others is just a beautiful thing because I think you know for some for some of us reassurance is is a wonderful you know tool and 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 yet there are times when you know for me it just doesn't it just doesn't actually meet where I am you know if someone's saying Mm. oh you'll be fine and you're looking at your bank balance going but really will I you know how you know it's like Mm -hmm. you know somebody kind of trying to soothe you and sort of um you know calm Mm. things down it again you know some people really find that helpful so it's not for me to say you know do or don't do that but to just be aware that sometimes that may be adding some part to what other person's experience um, because we're uncomfortable seeing our friends or family upset. And so it's almost about us trying to soothe ourselves by kind of going, oh, don't keep showing me mm. that sort of sad face because, you know, I can't deal with yeah. you being sad because I've just got a lot on at the moment. So actually, if you just kind of say, yeah, you know, you're feeling sad. Yeah, you're worried about money. Of course you are, you know. <sighs> Wait yeah. a breath, you know, join them on that breath. And then yeah. you might say, you know, do you want to problem solve it do you want to you know put our heads together and see what we might do about it and just see whether they say yes I'm in that space yeah that would be really helpful thank you or whether they say actually I just need to be with this feeling for a little while longer thank you you know just just let me cry let me you know sit with this real discomfort because it's not about trying to move on to some happy place certainly you know the work that I'm I'm doing is about really again and again trying to meet people where they are almost like you're keeping track of them along a kind of mountain path and yes you kind of got an idea about where they might be heading to to a sort of safer plateau or something but it's like yeah your left foot's on a on a bit of a you know edge there and your right foot's on that bit there so can you see your right hand is also up there and you're kind of tracking them and keeping aware of oh you're feeling really scared at the moment okay yeah of course you're scared you know you're part way up a mountain you've got a bit of you know rock missing under your left foot do you see what I mean? It's a, it's a different way of being yeah. with them rather than trying to make it all better and jolly and moving on. It's really sticking with where they are, where they are. And instead of that being something that's going to keep them stuck, interestingly enough, because it can be very um, embodied, it then helps the brain calm down and kind of goes, oh, someone's understood me. I don't have to keep on forcing or knocking on the door or kind of saying yeah but I need this but understood because they've met me where I am okay thank you and now I've got the wherewithal to sort of move on myself yeah so yeah that really makes sense because we often like to fix people don't we like to be fixers or we like how people to meet our needs so if they're struggling that doesn't meet the mm-hmm. needs that we have from them but actually just sitting with them in it can be really powerful so that that's mm-hmm. really good um Amazing. Well, that, I've loved chatting about all of this. I've had some real light bulb moments from our conversation and I'm sure the people listening will right. have too. And I'm sure like me, people will want to follow 
along with you on the journey that you're on and learning about this healing language but also all the amazing work that you already do the family constellations alexander technique and so please tell us this i know you're based in sheffield but you do work online too don't you so what's the best way for people to stay in touch where can we find you thank you so it's lucy asham which is um interesting spelling with an a-s-c-h-a-m for mother um dot com so that's my website um but also, you know, it's Lucy Asham on all of the social media as well. So, yeah, come and uh, say hello or like any, you know, comment if you will. But equally, just sort of look and read and learn and, you know, ask for any anything. You know, if you think, oh, I'd like to know more about this aspect of the work, please just reach out to me, you know, in a private message. And um, I like writing. I like, you know, recording things. But I also like to know that it's relevant. So, please do ask if you've got anything that you want to know and I'll uh, put more content out about that as well. Amazing. Well, that's a really kind and generous offer. So make sure you take Lucy up on that. Um, Oh, it's been so good to talk, Lucy. But um, obviously all this conversation about healing our brains is great. But what we really want to know, you know, like the real juice is what would you choose to have for your last meal on earth? That's, you know, give us the loading. I've been thinking about this um, (laughs) Um, I actually really like salad. So I like green salad. I like salad with fruit in. I like salad with nuts, um, things like that. But that would be a starter because I, I like to eat well. So I would then have a dal of some sort. I like a really simple kind of red or yellow dal with some mm-hmm. spinach in it, maybe some brown rice, veggies on the side. And then pudding is genuinely at this house, it genuinely is sort of fruit salad for pudding. But then I might sneak in a little mini vegan magnum. So (laughs) that would be my (laughs) ideal ideal meal, actually. So healthy. Even if it's your last meal, you'd still be, you know, enjoying Um, those healthy choices. I'm slightly put to shame, but also inspired by those choices. And I've been thinking about dals, actually. I've been kind of craving one. They're just the perfect kind of autumn, winter, healthy comfort They're really simple to make, I think. And, you know, for some reason, I can Mm. just eat it again and again. You know, I never seem to get tired of it all. So, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, you've inspired me. I'm going to make one this weekend. That's it. I'm doing it. (laughs) Lovely. Enjoy. (laughs) Oh, I've loved our conversation. Lucy, thank you so much for your time today. I know the listeners will have got loads of value from that. And um you've shared that invitation to keep having that conversation so thank you for being with us today what a pleasure thank you very much for the conversation joe thank you so much for listening today remember you can subscribe and share this episode with someone that you think might find it helpful i'd love to stay in touch you can find me over on instagram at joe live life well or at livelifewellness.co.uk where you can find all the details of my coaching courses workshops and retreats Remember to keep looking after you because you are precious and worthy of feeling amazing. See you all soon.